Up in Brian's office, Lena and him made an appointment to meet again at the end of the week and continue their case. Brian gave Lena some homework, research her father's application to FEMA, and call up every doctor, PA, and nurse who had assessed her father's condition at New Orleans East Hospital. As they exited Brian's spacious office back into the lobby, Stella rose, handing Brian a slip. Phone call for you, Mr. Carnegie. It was your wife, and she looked over pointedly at Lena. She was asking about what time you'd be home for the fundraiser. She didn't even cast a glance in Lena's direction. It was like Lena didn't even exist after that. Lena waited for Brian to dismiss her, at least acknowledged that their meeting was over, but got nothing. Furious, she stomped out of the office like a toddler, sandals tripping until one of them finally busted. Oh, what she'd give to have on a pair of six-inch heels right now, if not to make a dramatic exit, then at least to grind that heel and wipe that cold, dismissive smile right off of Miss Stella's face. Outside the elevator doors, Lena swept the area and spied a potted bamboo that would have to do for now. Sticking her sandal askew into the soil of the plant, she strode onto the elevator barefoot. And as the doors closed, she couldn't help but grin. Maybe Stella didn't notice her now, but at least she'd left her something to remember. Chico's Bar, Mission Beach, 2004. Chico's Bar was not your ordinary drinking establishment. Old posters of musicians, dead and gone, littered the walls. An ancient blow-up plastic T-Rex toy hung suspended from the ceiling. But nary a cobweb could be found, at least. The cracked pleather seats sparkled in the sunlight, filtering in from Mission Ave. And although the liquor bottles sat haphazard in no discernible order behind the bar, a customer knew that if she or he ordered a martini straight up or on the rocks, it might be served in some random glass, but it would still be icy, cold, and delicious. Lena, now barefoot, still fuming from the encounter at Brian's law office, strode into the bar and sat down in an obscure corner booth where she hoped no one would disturb her. And yet, she yearned to talk to someone, tell them how it felt walking into that office feeling important, valued for once in her life. And then how it felt getting kicked out once again, a reminder that after all, she was just a business transaction. She was nobody. Lena flipped open her phone to call Gabe, but there was no signal. Chico himself wandered over to pick up Lena's order. Make it a screwdriver, Chico. Light on the juice. Chico raised one eyebrow. Are you okay? It was barely 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I'll be okay. And Lena dismissed him with the cavalier wave she was known for at Chico's. Chico was a good guy but not the kind of person you wanted to talk to about a crisis, no matter how trivial it may be to someone else. 
it was still important to her. A stocky, black-haired, white man, bulging biceps, approached her. Aren't you Senior Marquez's girl? Lena nodded and then looked back down at her phone. Gabe had always warned her to not go anywhere alone, especially Chico's, but stubbornly Lena always refused to listen. Sometimes a girl just wanted to have a drink and not be bothered. What was wrong with that? This guy looked familiar somehow, probably someone from the mill. Most of the few white guys Gabe knew were from work. The man helped himself to the chair opposite Lena. A votive candle flickered inside a jelly jar in the center of their table. He grinned. I'm Jason. Lena looked back up, assessing. He was attractive in a wolf sort of way, although she hated to admit it, a tiny part of her was actually kind of flattered that he had chosen to sit next to her out of all the people in Chico's. Of course, looking around, she's the only female in the bar here at Chico's. What did you say your name was? Jason. And yours? I'm Lisa. Before she could stop herself, Lena had blurted out her mother's name. Funny. She hadn't thought about her in years. Lisa, that's right. Thought you looked familiar. Lena rolled her eyes. As they shook hands, Jason attempted to kiss it. How cornball, Lena thought, and she snatched it away. Maybe this guy was good looking, but he was still a creep. Lena vaguely recalled Gabe complaining about some guy at work being a real tool. Was it this one, Jason? Probably. She swallowed the last of the orangey sweet screwdriver next to her and gestured to Chico to bring her another, noticing that Jason didn't offer to pay. So what's a girl like you doing in this dump? Chico's ain't a dump, she replied defensively, the buzz of the vodka coloring her cheeks. She gestured to the creaky, ancient wooden stage. No matter what it looks like, it's still the best place on the boardwalk for music. Jason placated her with a smile and tossed back his ham's beer. He obviously didn't agree. Still, somehow he was starting to morph right into Prince Charming before her very eyes. Oh, this always happened after the second or third drink. That's why she had stopped coming to Chico's for a while. Gabe was a gem, but even he wouldn't tolerate her coming home with some guy she'd picked up in a bar every night. You had to draw the line. The room was starting to swim, and she laughed loud, wondering if this was how Gabe felt out on his longboard, cruising the waves of energy, just cruising, unsure where you'd end up, just letting it all go. Sure felt nice, but it was time to go home. All right, I'll see you later. She said to Jason, standing up and wobbling slightly. Whoa, he laughed, pointing to her feet. Where'd your shoes go? Surprised, Lena gazed down at her bare toes, the shimmery nail polish chipped and pink. I seem to have misplaced them. The memory of the high-rise tower and the secretary's sneer caused Lena to clench her fists. Yes, the booze had allowed her to forget for a few precious moments, but now the pain and anger at being shunned poured back into her with a vengeance. 
Hey, Jason said, no need to get upset. He wrapped an arm around her waist and drew her close. He smelled like old spice and diesel. I like hippie chicks that kind of turn me on. In disgust, Lena shoved him away. Chico, just put that drink on my tab, all right? And she left. Outpost Trailer Park, 1994. Hello? Anybody home? Gabe's father smiled foolishly at Lena and shook his head no, turning his head towards the trailer. He sat there quietly on the deck, doing nothing. Lena kissed him on the top of his head, her indigo irises luminous and full. He barely noticed. Lena crept into the dim trailer where Gabe and his father and mother resided, hoping to avoid the mother, hoping she was at work. Lena knew she shouldn't blame Gabe's mom for not holding the family together, but by God, what kind of mother wouldn't do all she could in her power to hold her own flesh and blood intact? Gabe claimed that she was sick, that Lena just didn't understand. But Lena had seen his mother, seen her staring at her with sharp clarity, and sometimes an intense kind of fury that had chilled her very pores. Anyone that focused had to be plotting something inside their pretty little head. They couldn't be completely out of it. But thankfully, Gabe's mother wasn't there, and neither was Gabe. Lena bounced out to catch a bus to the more likely place he'd be, Pacific Beach. The turquoise layered waves curled softly towards the shoreline, throngs of skater kids yelling out anytime a surfer wiped out. Young women yanked their chubby toddlers out of the snarls of a riptide while beautiful young ladies smoothed baby oil all along their pink cheeks. Giant groups of Mexican, Asian families clustered around makeshift fire pits, grilling fish or oysters or spicy barbecue chicken. Lena scanned the water for Gabe. There he was, all 300 pounds of him. Yet somehow he had managed to hop onto the perfect wave, just a few feet high, crisp, clean, and carrying just enough punch to take his fat self all the way to shore. Mother Ocean. Lena waved her arm wildly, but Gabe didn't see her. He was completely immersed on his ride. A group of teenage boys gathered to watch him finish the wave off with a neat S-turn curve over the top of the wave. As Lena approached them, she recognized a few of the boys from school. In just 10 days, Gabe would be 18 and forever free from Laguna Beach High. He intended to drop out immediately and pursue his GED. Lena wished she could follow suit, but her grandmother would never allow it. Sweet ride, man. One of the boys nodded at Gabe as he shook his loose mane out like a puppy. Thanks. As the group of teens turned to make their way down the shore, Lena overheard one of them. Yeah, not bad for some fat spick. And the other boys laughed, except for the first one, who looked back at Lena and Gabe, embarrassed, 
that they might have heard. Gabe froze, his face reddened in anger. But then he shook it off and continued to just wipe salt water out of his ears. Just what did you say, biatch? Gabe, are you going to let them get away with that? And Lena gazed at the retreating group, flipping them off. Lena, Gabe said, you need to cool it. The tall, skinny blonde wearing a Soundgarden t-shirt in the group looked back, waggling his tongue out at Lena. God damn it, Gabe. <sighs> Sighing, she turned back to him. Why didn't you at least say something? What the hell? Gabe looked over at her, calm. And just what is it you'd exactly like for me to say? Lena knew he was right. Unless you're willing to throw some skin in, it was worthless. Lena eyed Gabe's voluminous belly. Yeah, by the way, when the hell are you going to start losing some of that weight so you can be worth something around here? Lena's chest rose and fell. She watched the retreating group grow tinier and tinier until they finally disappeared. She jumped when Gabe reached out to touch her. Hey. He pulled her close in and engulfed him in those fat but large, meaty, warm, comforting, damp arms. Smelling like kelp. Hawaiian Tropic suntan lotion, and love. He stroked her hair until finally, minutes later, she relaxed and then tilted her chin to look up at him. Listen, honey, people will always be wanting to leave their mark. We are almost done with this place. Soon I'll be 18. Soon you'll be 18. Look at how young we are. We got the whole world right here on her shoulders. And he tickled her rib cage until she finally laughed. Rancho Penasquito's subdivision, back to 2004. Teresa Manuelita Santiago handed out a crisp white business card to her 22nd client that day. She had not eaten since 9 a.m. It was now almost five, but no worries. She had an energy bar and a stash of almonds somewhere in her glove box, almonds. She had read somewhere that Condoleezza Rice ate 12 almonds a day to stay fit, and Teresa aimed to do the same. She had goals, she had ambition, she was going places. Sitting in the living room of the old couple that she was trying to assist, she felt it getting chilly. Winter was sneaking up on them here in San Diego. And even though it only dropped a few slim degrees every winter, it still felt cold to her compared to back home in Baja. It had been an exhausting day. Working for social services in the county was never easy here in California, but the home visits, that's what really got to her, exposing cracks in her shield she didn't even know existed. But it was her husband, Brian, that had her worried now. Every day, she worried. One false step from him, and he was close. And everything they had worked for together for years could vanish just like that. And then there they'd be on the streets again, downtown San Diego, 
her on the other side of this coffee table that she sat before right now, asking for the handout, not giving it. As the couple droned on and on about all of the reasons, about a hundred of them, why they couldn't meet, make their rent, Teresa started to daydream. The thing is, I'd give anything for him. That hard, gorgeous body, those penetrating green eyes, and he won't even give me the time of day, says he's obsessed with work, but I know that's a lie. Every night, that ceaseless slumber, holding me like I'm not even there. But tonight, tonight is the night, the night I'll make him stand up and notice that I am no dummy. I see while he goes off gallivanting to that high rise, pretending he's playing lawyer, the hero, but yet I know he's always thinking about Jack, literally daydreaming our life away. What an idiot. I'll make him pay. This time I will make him pay. Fire. Just one spark. Burn, baby, burn. Clean evil in the dark. Pure light. Turn everything bright. Just a clean start. Just too much. Too much. I'm so sick of it. It's all too much. The pets, the pests, the people, the people I'm forced to serve. I'm done with it all. Uh, excuse me, ma'am. The heavyset man and woman, Terry's last clients for the day, sat there staring at her across the coffee table. They were holding out their eviction notice. Pieces of paper stacked, spread all over the living room. Terry frowned. As they gave her the once over, Terry noticed the filthy living room starting to eat her alive, cat piss in the corner. One of their toddlers emerged from the kitchenette, clutching a raw steak like it was some toy. And Terry gave them her card, stood up, and went on her way. <laughs>